Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I am Rossi, and unfortunately, Hinch isn't here. Yeah, just them. I don't know. I guess he's too good for us now. It's May. It's May. Um, he's busy. He had a bit of a... He's doing, he's doing things. James is doing things. So we'll, we'll give him a pass on this one. So J- James will be on the episode, by the way. We, he's just not here for the introduction. So currently it's, it's off track with Rossi, which I'm sure you all are super depressed about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Tim came to us with this idea of, of getting a podcast guest. And um, this one was pretty out of the ordinary, pretty exceptional I, I'm struggling to come up with more clever adjectives, but basically... I'm, I'm just still so excited that you called me Tim and not Thim just now. Yeah. It's well, been careful. a long day for you, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a little bit out of it here at Chateau de Bus inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but here nor there, we got to talk to someone that is currently floating. Um, two not, people. Two people who are, who are, I mean, double the fun, who are floating, not in a pool or in like a salt bath. Or just because they're really happy in life, but actually people that are floating in space. Yeah. We we got to do a link up with the International Space Station. Through NASA. Yeah. Um, we were Skyping NASA. <laughs> they, by the way, we, so we were setting this up. NASA sent me like all of their, their satellite coordinates. They're like, if you need to link up, we're in this, you know, whatever quadrant with this. Oh, because your MacBook Pro has I, the capabilities of linking up with the satellite. Yeah, I literally emailed back NASA. I was like, you guys got Wi-Fi up there, though, right? Can we Skype? <laughs> do, we, do you have the internet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you got YouTube up there? Um, so, so, yeah. So, basically, Tim came up to us with this idea of, talking to astronauts and fortunately um for us nasa bought it nasa bought it (laughs) and one of them uh aj foistel is actually a huge indycar fan and and takes pictures from space again i reiterate out of outside the earth um of indycar tracks um while he's floating he does that every weekend and we also talked to his colleague scott tingle and initially I, no, I I'm going to call you out on this. You you said beforehand because James and I yeah. were so excited. Yeah, we I'm nerded out that, so much. You were, you were like, I'm not impressed by astronauts. I wasn't impressed. Who isn't impressed by astronauts? I mean, I feel like people are because we see so many movies. I mean, Matt Damon in The Martian, like that was cool. I've kind of seen it all. These guys, okay. There was a there was a the speech written if if everything went wrong with the Apollo, uh, what was the Apollo eleven launch? Is the one that got to the moon, and I think it sums it up the best. These guys have slipped the surly bonds of Earth. These guys have left orbit. They've gotten far enough away from Earth that they're not even affected by our gravity anymore. They're just up there floating around in space. How they, they see a sunrise or a sunset every forty five minutes. This is, that's the coolest thing ever. I was going to say it's the coolest thing in the world, but they're not even in the world, man. Without further ado. Well, um, they're a little, a little ado, because we're also going to talk with James Hinchcliffe about what the, May, what the month of May means to him. I wonder and if that's changed. Full disclosure, this is after qualifying, and yes. we're going to talk to him after qualifying. 
So we're gonna um, we're gonna touch on we're gonna touch on everything with him before we get to um, well our amazing episode that I'm still not that impressed with. Okay, I with have a our... picture. I have a picture because we skyped and I recorded the video. I have a picture of your face the second they first talk with us, and you you're grinning ear to ear to be talking to space. Yeah, all right, maybe. I'm well, putting it on our I, Instagram. I'm gonna let you guys listen to it now. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing and highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot because, well, we think it's the best. Welcome back to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Tim here. Originally, we had planned this episode to have a, a, a segment about what May means to me. Uh, well, not me personally, but for the drivers. And we had talked about, oh, maybe we'll bring in Connor or we'll do something like that. But uh, obviously, plans changed a little bit after the qualifying weekend. Um, for those of you that uh, aren't caught up on the Indy 500, uh, James did not qualify for the race. He had some issues with his car, and then he ran out of time. He was next up to go out on bump day. But that's what happens in Indy. Uh, I wanted to get the guys together and get their takes on uh, what this month means to them, what the race means to them. Unfortunately, the way their schedules work out in May, it was pretty hard to get them together at the same time. So I spoke with Alex first, and he went through what this month and this race means to him. And then I uh, sat down and talked with James more about qualifying than the race itself. But... uh, I hope you guys will like it. Uh, so here's here's Alex. What does May mean to me? Um, that's a very, very broad question and one that's hard to necessarily put into words for, for a number of reasons. First of all, the month of May is, is kind of military appreciation month uh, with it being Memorial Day uh, towards the end of the month. And and then on top of that, for a way less noble reason, as a as a racing driver, it is the Indianapolis 500, which in in so many ways is the greatest motor race in the world and the largest single day sporting event in the world. And and when you say it in those terms, it really doesn't impress people that much until you explain to them that it is the largest non-religious gathering of people on the planet. And so. Going into an event like that where you're actually fortunate enough to be able to take part um, is is pretty unique because, you know, a lot of the other races that we go to, there's a one or two day lead up to the event and, you know, you have a maybe one media obligation and you kind of just get straight to work and then you leave right away and, and you kind of, it either went well or it went bad and, and you move along and you don't really give it much more thought than that. Well... The month of May and, and the Indianapolis 500 is an entire kind of two-week process where you're on track um, 10 times more than you are for any other racing event. There's a huge amount of attention from the media, from sponsors, from fans that's kind of gradually builds as the month progresses leading into Memorial Day. And it's a race where if it goes well, you obviously are 
instantly a part of racing history, which is pretty amazing. And that doesn't happen for any other race. But if it goes poorly, it's the only race where I can think of where you immediately start thinking of the next time you get to have an opportunity to do it. The clock to 365 days from now starts now. And that is is very, very unique and specific to this race and to this event. And the reason for that is because it is such an important part of not only motorsport history, but American history in terms of this being a place where car manufacturers would come to, to test out their new developments and innovations and, and put them to the test against each other and, and, other and against other manufacturers. And the fact that that's progressed to the height of motorsport technology because it it is a, a very challenging event through and through, and it's not just an event where you show up and, you know, if you have a good day, great. If you have a bad day, okay. It's an event where if you have a bad day, it could potentially all be over. And, and that's a, a very harsh reality that we've become far too aware of this year. And it's something that adds a whole new dimension of appreciation for us who are getting to compete in it because you can take nothing for granted about this place. This place owes you nothing. You deserve nothing. And it's a very, very harsh reality to come to terms with. And you have to make sure that every single day you execute and you're thankful for the opportunity that you have to be on this track because it can very quickly be taken away from you. So in a lot of ways, it's it's emotional, it's depressing, it's sad. But at the same time, Sunday morning, Memorial Day, May 27th, 2018 is the most exciting day ever really for that year because almost if i if i take you back to 2016 when i won the one thing that i remember more than winning was waking up that sunday morning and having that six hours of the cannon going off to signify the gates opening to the starting grid and the pageantry that goes along with that and being on the front straight next to 350,000 people is is unlike any other experience so it's something that i consider a huge blessing and i'm very thankful for the opportunity to be able to compete in the indianapolis 500 so i guess in a word the month of may to me um is 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 it's a blessing i mean it's it's truly amazing how fortunate we are to have this opportunity to to go race and, and hopefully um put our faces on the borg warner trophy And now James. So bump day. Yeah, a uh, bit of a bit of a thing this year. Bit of a thing, and like I, what I don't want to do is necessarily focus on bump day twenty eighteen, right? Okay. Because yeah. everybody was everybody saw what happened, and that's fine. But what it did do is it sparked the conversation about what to do about the qualifying format going forward. And there's obviously been a lot of there's been a lot of change in the Indy five hundred qualifying format over the last call it 15 years you know when you go back to the split and then there was the merge and all these different elements we went from a month to to a two-week show kind of thing and it's constantly been changing but the the interesting thing about it so so before the race even before we even got to the race weekend we knew there was 35 entrants right Mm -hmm. so that started the conversation of well do we just it's only two more do we just run 35 so everybody can run 
And it was pretty early on they said, no, we're, we're sticking to We're doing 33. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they talked about it and they thought about it. Because it has been done before, but I think on two or three occasions, maybe. I think 1979, I think, was the year. And there was that was an issue where they had, like, 11 cars were found to have been cheating in qualifying. <laughs> like, so. That doesn't sound like motorsports at all. <laughs> so, obviously, they, they knew that, that two guys were going home. Uh, or, or a girl. Um, and... And then in, in light of what happened with a car that was, you know, a full-time entrant and running decently in the points, essentially getting kicked out of the race, uh, or no, that's not fair, uh, not earning their place in the race, uh, that brought up the conversation, should full-time entrants be guaranteed a spot in the 500? And bumping only applies to cars that are doing a one-off. And personally, I don't think that's that's right. It's been interesting to me because I've seen a lot of stuff on the interwebs. Twitter's a fun, interesting place. <sighs> you can follow us at Ask Off Track. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, and what, what's interesting is there is a huge there is a huge precedent for and history of drivers or teams buying into the race after qualifying. Yeah, because in the Indy 500, it's, it's the car that qualifies. It's right. not the driver. The The best rebuttal I heard to that was, well, does the car get put on the Borg Warner and does the car get to drink the milk and blah, blah, blah. That was actually quite a funny point. Yeah, solid. Uh, completely irrelevant because that's not the rule, but it's a very, it's a very, funny, uh, very funny comeback. And... So, you know, it does it does bring up this this interesting kind of dilemma. Do people that are committed to the IndyCar series year long and promote it year long and are bringing year long sponsors, et cetera, et cetera, deserve a place in the biggest stage of the year? And I think and in all honesty, the, the short answer to me is no. The the funny part, though, from from the Twitterverse, the, the part that I find the most kind of baffling is that there are a lot of fans out there that that don't want cars or drivers to be able to buy their way in you know you're you're buying out some team that has less money and some driver that did what they had to do and team that did what they had to do to get in the race you're just kind of buying them out of it which seems unfair and i see that but the funny part for me on twitter is that everybody thinks that i have a say in it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're like james if they offer you a car i really hope that you don't take it man be the bigger man i'm like you guys don't understand how anything works <laughs> if you think that the driver has any say in this. I have a contract with Rick and Sam. I do what I'm told. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, Graham Rahal went on TV and said that he'd be embarrassed to have to buy into a car. But I guarantee you if that was a situation and his team was saying, yeah, but our sponsors need you in this race, he would do it. Yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. And it's not it's not like it hasn't happened. I mean, what, what year was it that Ryan Hunter Ray didn't qualify the bottom in? Yeah. And it's and it's it's happened a bunch. Right. But it seems it seems funny that this year in particular, because it is the first genuine bump day we've had since 2011, that everybody seems fired up about the fact that even though this has happened for decades, they really don't want it to happen anymore. So do we need to address the situation? Um, I have a different opinion on how this should be handled moving forward. First of all, well, the, it's, it's kind of your show, so let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, the whole, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not uh, genuinely not because it affected my day, but the whole stopping at 550 instead of six o'clock for TV is stupid. Give us an extra half hour of TV. It's the Indy freaking 500. Yeah. So the, the clock should run till six. Fine, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, this is a very important race, and it's very different from every other race that we do, right? Uh, we get like like 100 hours of practice compared to an hour and a half. 
we have two days of qualifying as compared to, you know, 75 minutes. There are um, 33 cars instead of 20-something cars. There's a two-point-something million-dollar purse at the end of the day to the winner as opposed to the $35,000 that's on on uh, on the table for the winner of any other Verizon IndyCar Series race. This is not the same as any other IndyCar race, and so I don't think it should be treated the same. I think you should have to qualify, but here's my caveat. I do not think this should be a points race at all. I've never been Oh, interesting. I've never been a supporter of double points races. Okay. I think that's a sham. Um, I've been vocal about that in the past. The Indy 500 is so different uh, for all those reasons I just mentioned that this should be an exhibition race for us. This should be our all-star race. Okay. So that way it's just 33 best teams and drivers and that way you don't have to worry about the contractual commitments to sponsors. There's less impetus for them to have to force someone that was in the show to go out to accommodate this contract. I think this should be an exhibition race that anyone and everyone who wants to can show up for and try and run and and go for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Because it's also kind of insane when you look at, if you keep track of the IndyCar series, if you look at the point standing, how many names get added in May and then never add any points to the after that. Fact. Exactly right. So, yeah, at the end of the, at the, end of the year, there's going to be, you know, 30-something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's high 30s because of some guys that rotate through in, in various races or whatever. But, yeah, there are a handful, five, six, seven people that only get points in this race. And what's the point? Yeah. No, that's uh, I, I had never heard that take before, but I, I see the merit in it. I just neither had I. I just kind of thought about it, <laughs> and uh, I've had a lot of time to think lately, yeah. Tim. You got a little free time. I had a little more free time than oh, some that of my felt colleagues. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. It's fair, and so that's you know that's what I would propose to IndyCar, and I haven't had this conversation with anybody but you at the moment and the uh, loyal fan base here at Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Uh, but that's what I would say because Mark Miles has already come out and said they're going to look at the process and, and how we get through qualifying in the month of May once this all kind of settles. Um, but frankly, I don't think the system's broken. I think that, yes, there might be an argument that the last hour of the day should be for bumping only and not fast nine cars or something like that. But that said, there were realistically only four or five cars that were kind of in that realm. Is that exciting for the last hour? Maybe it's a half hour. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I see some merit in having a, sp a specified amount of time for somebody trying to get into the race and then a specified amount of time for someone trying to get in the Fast 9. Mm -hmm. But I think fundamentally the system is good. It's entertaining. It's exciting. It obviously produced some drama. But I don't think it should affect the outcome of someone's full season because this race is not on par with the other races in the championship. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. By the way, as of recording this, I mean, you don't there's no there's no there's no ride that you made an agreement with, you're not jumping in if that if that changes between now and Thursday, then we're not going to cover it on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we are not. But as I said, you know, it is not my decision. I am I am an employee of a company that will tell me what job I need to do on Memorial Day and whether that's deal with sponsors and hold my head high and be, you know, a good ambassador for our, our team, fine. Whether that's, you know, put the helmet on and go do 200 laps on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, fine. That's my job. Yeah. Um, but it is not one that I have any say in. And, you know, like I said, I just, I find, I find it funny how polarizing this whole thing has been on the topic of you know ride buying over the rest of it and i was there in 2011 i saw with you know with ryan when he had to do that and it wasn't pleasant and fans no. don't like it yeah people got mad then i will say they got over it 
Exactly right. <laughs> and so people say, well, Bobby uh, Bobby Rahal missed the race in, you know, 93 or whatever it was, and the Penske's missed it, and this, that, and the other. It's like, yeah, they chose to not, yeah. to, to not do that. Penske had all their drivers not qualify, so it's going to get hard to buy three, four guys into the field, right? I, yeah. I get why that happened, you know? But again, sponsors also get over it. We're very fortunate that Arrow, my title sponsor, is not, you know, pooping a brick over this whole thing. Uh, they earned it. You can say sh- <laughs> we'll bleep it. <laughs> we'll bleep it. You've earned it. All right. So they're not <laughs> a brick over this. They they are very much part of our team. And as a team, you know, we didn't get the job done. We had a bad day, but bad days happen. And they know that as well as anybody. They happen in business, like they happen in sports. And they are standing by us as a team because we are a partnership. And so it, it's 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 a little refreshing in that sense to have a partner like that. Uh, we're proud to have them on the car. We're obviously devastated we won't be able to represent them the way we wanted to in the 500, but there's still a lot of races left in this season, and we're going to go do the best we can for the remaining however many races. 12? Too many. Uh, not too many. <laughs> not too many. Sorry. Not too many. That's the wrong answer. The way I see it, there's 100 points on the board in Detroit, just like there are 100 points on the board here in Indy, and our focus on the five car is now solely on collecting every single one of those points. Yeah. And then if, if I can just speak as a fan for a moment, we all stand behind you. We all love you. This place has been mean to you before. It's been good to you before. Nobody has any doubt that you're going to be coming back strong. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, let me simply end with saying I wish all 33 of my colleagues uh, the best of luck on Sunday. Uh, have a safe, fast, and entertaining race. You guys better at least make it entertaining for me, since I don't get to be in it. If I have to sit and watch it from the sidelines, you better make it a damn good show, guys. By the way, can I also just say, if, if you do end up in the broadcast booth, give us a shout-out to however million people are watching. If by some weird stroke of a lot of things I end up in the broadcast booth, it'll be a 200-lap advertisement for <laughs> Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. A CastBox original. <laughs> And it almost seems worth messing with your car and sending Graham out there. (laughs) If you're around IMS tomorrow for Carb Day, we encourage you to come to our live show from 3.30 to 5 o'clock at the Indy Carnation Garages, number 35 and 36. The one's right next to the Pagoda. You can't miss them. It's going to be a lot of fun there. We have some stickers that we're giving away that you've probably seen on our Twitter and Instagram. We're going to give those away as long as they last, so get there early. Make sure you're on time. We'll give away those stickers. I can even sign them, though I can't imagine why you'd want me to sign them. It's, it's going to be a blast, guys. I can't wait to see you there tomorrow. Track with Hinch and Rossi, the International Space Station. International Space Station, do you copy? You leave loud and clear. Well, what's up? How you guys doing? We're doing well. Copy that. Copy that. So uh, let's just let's kick it off right away. Um, it. There are not a lot of people that can put up a good argument when I'm talking to them about having a cooler job than I do. Uh, I, I like to think that you two are two of the people that have that have that argument. 
Tell us how that started. What what got you into the love of, of wanting to go to space? Uh, science fiction, I would say, is what got me into the, the love of wanting to go to space. I grew up watching uh, the Jetsons and Lost in Space and Star Trek. And all those things sort of set the bit in my mind early that wouldn't it be cool to be able to go out and explore space and be on the edge of science and frontiers of what we know as humans and try to expand those boundaries. Well, what are your thoughts, Scott? Well, for me, it was uh, we walked on the moon. Uh, the idea of actually putting our feet on a rock different than Earth is just absolutely amazing. So when you tell people that you're astronauts, do they believe you? <laughs> or do they think, nah, he's a banker? Um, you know, I usually don't tell people I'm an astronaut unless it's absolutely necessary, um, typically because it changes the conversation a lot. And uh, I would say people, by the time people find out that I'm an astronaut, I don't know what it's like with you, they usually believe you because you've been talking about something else for some time. But uh, I don't know what happens when you tell people you're a race car driver. Most people probably know you guys because you're famous uh, famous so you know winning race winning heroes actually i don't i tell them i'm an astronaut so <laughs> it uh it's funny how that works okay so safe to say we both have pretty cool jobs all right but that's it so from now on i'm gonna start telling people i'm a race car driver <laughs> perfect yeah, let's go perfect so it's safe to say we all have pretty cool jobs but and this is something we get asked a lot if you guys weren't doing this if you weren't astronauting for lack of a better word what would you guys be doing well, I, James, I think you guys already know the answer to that question. I had two dreams in life. One was to be an astronaut. One was to be a Formula One driver. Um, so I succeeded with one of those goals, and I'm quite certain I'm too old for the other one. I don't what maker. What, what's your? Uh, so if uh, if I wasn't in the astronaut corps, I'd probably still be a test pilot in the Navy. Well, that's also pretty cool. Um, so because like we have the opportunity to give you a ride in a two seater, um, that means we get to come to space, right? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of room, especially on the cargo ships. Uh, some of them don't have great life support systems, but you'll probably be fine. It's a pretty short trip to space. <laughs> I mean, I guess a Canadian can do that. Yeah, I, you know, it's happened before. Now, Drew, I got, I got a lot of flack a couple weeks ago because in, uh, in the throes of battle, trapped in my race car under red flag conditions, I had to relieve myself, you know, in a, in a less than standard way, you know, and uh, I'll never forget, I got back to my, to my bus afterwards, grabbed my phone, and one of the first things I had was an email from you saying, hey, man, don't worry, we do it all the time. So I just want everybody to know that a guy from space emailed me to tell me it's totally fine that I peed in my suit. It's, it's still not. It's, it's still not <laughs> fine. Agree to disagree. Okay. You literally said <laughs> no, it wasn't fine, fine until fact, you yesterday, did it. You know, we had a spacewalk yesterday, myself and Ricky Arnold, and I'm actually pretty proud of myself. Believe it or not, this is rare. I didn't pee in my uh, I didn't pee on myself yesterday, but my buddy Ricky did. You know, he's a little older than me, so he has some challenges with that. But uh, I can assure <laughs> you that on a regular basis, we all fill those diapers to capacity and typically over capacity. So we we obviously see you two, and you mentioned Ricky. How many of you are there right now? Uh, there's six of us on board. We've got. That's uh, okay. Yeah, so uh, six on board. We got that, uh, two uh, Russians, we have a Japanese, and we have three Americans, and uh, all uh, internationally diverse with uh, one team, one mission. I know you can't see us, but I'm also trying to throw the mic to James, and he keeps dropping it. So. It's a lot harder for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> so you mentioned that um, science fiction, Anthony, got you into, oh, you're doing backflips. Now, that's neat. <laughs> um, I'm also going to try that, and it's also not going to work out very well. 
that science fiction got you into space. Good I mean, luck. What's your favorite space movie? You know, it's that's a great question. I've been asked it before. I don't have any. I, 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 every one is sort of becomes my favorite for different reasons. I just like the idea of what I've seen in science fiction is that those things that we see, and I have this theory that just because there are people that thought things up in the movies and made a movie about it doesn't mean there's not real engineers out there thinking things up that will eventually become reality. I mean, designers are designers, whether they're in the movie industry or in, in real life. And um, so to me, what I think is fascinating is that sometimes what you see in movies actually becomes reality. And that's if you look back at the history of all science, all the science fiction movies, many of those things that, that space explorers are doing in those films have actually come true. And we're doing those now. We don't quite have warp drive yet, but I guarantee at some point we're going to be there and have something like it. So is the Martian, like, realistic? Let's call it realistic. Sometimes. Sometimes not. <laughs> Fair. Okay. All right. So this is the question that all space people and nerds want to know, myself included, for both of you, Star Wars or Star Trek? It depends what kind of mood I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so both. So the answer is just yes. Yes, we I'll like them for all. both. There you go. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yes. It's just a flat-out yes. So our producer, Thim, is... Um, hey, a massive fan of everything space. I feel like we should give him the opportunity to ask a question that he wants because we normally don't allow him to speak, but he's uh, he's been looking forward to this for a really long time. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, yeah, we're guess, ready. If we don't know the answer, we can make it up. Well, I just got to say, I mean, you, you guys, you're astronauts, you're into fast cars, you, you play guitar. Like, was your goal to just be the most interesting person at every party you go to? <laughs> I think a lot of us are sort of introverts in some ways. I mean, you'll find that we're fairly quiet. I mean, unless you get to know us, uh, you know, we don't like to be too outspoken. And, uh, you know, we like to save our opinions for when they're really needed. But, uh, you know, we're just normal guys up here. We're just very lucky to have this uh, amazing opportunity. I know that you all probably feel the same. Um, it's a tough business to get into. And I hope that someday uh, a lot more humans will have the perspective that we do of Earth and the ability to travel in space. Well, we love that you're sharing that with us, uh, and we're, we're loving getting to share it with our fans. And one last question before we go. We ask this of all guests on Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. What's the fastest you've ever driven? I'm not going to say fastest you've ever went because you're going to beat everybody in that category. You're doing it right now. But what's the fastest you've ever driven? Uh, the fastest I've ever driven behind the wheel is uh, 207 in the uh, Bugatti Supersport. That's, that's I think, a class well, winner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so for, for cars, uh, my fastest speed was 122, and I can't tell you what kind of car it was because my dad might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, this has been awesome, guys. Thank you so much for taking time um, from space to talk to us, and uh, we really look forward to, to hearing more about your adventures later on. You bet, guys. Good luck with the uh, race coming up in Indianapolis. We'll be watching and cheering you both on, and I uh, hope you have, continue to have a great season. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having us. Have a safe mission, guys. And thank you to all the participants from Indie Star and Off Track with Hinch and Rocky Podcast. Station will. We are now resuming operational audio communication.
This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is AskOffTrack, or you can take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram or Snapchat story. We're also taking emails at ask at offtrackpod.com and phone calls at 317-731-2372. If we like what you have to say, we'll mention it on the next show, so you better make it pretty good. We're also individually on Twitter at at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. And if you want to, though we have no idea why you would, you can follow producer Thim at at the Tim Durham. And you can follow the astronauts on Twitter as well. Scott Tingle is at Astro underscore Maker. And AJ Foistel is at Astro underscore Foistel. That's F-E-U-S-T-E-L. The music you heard on this episode was written by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. And the show was produced by Chris Boniello and Jeff Umbro of the Podglomerate, as well as them himself, Tim Durham. Also, Peter Vincer, Matt Monreon, and Lucy Shen at CastBox. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing and highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.